nothing on. Shush, hush. Shush, hush, hush. It's cool headphones day at Take Me to Coffee. We have like the coolest headphones. I'm not happy about it. I mean, I love these headphones, but I'm not happy about it because I feel like I lost my AirPods. Like that's my whole identity on this fucking podcast is like Andrew (laughs) uses AirPods. That's what he does. (laughs) Now I'm using Beats by Dre and it's like, oh God, noise canceling. Now I got to get used to a whole new dynamic, a whole new sound. I don't know what I sound like anymore because I feel like I'm talking through, I'm I'm talking underwater. That's what I feel like right now. They make your head look fucking huge. (laughs) Welcome to Take Me to Coffee. This is a mentorship podcast for the digital age who watched, don't hug me, I'm scared, anybody? This podcast is for the doers, the rule breakers, people who are building it from the ground up. From movie stars to blog writers to Instagram creators in this day and age, we have something to learn from everyone. So this is your weekly chance to get personal with people who have been down the road before you. And soak up a whole lot of inspiration or illusion from every corner of the internet. I had to stop because I didn't know the rest of that song. That's all right. Nobody does. So that's when Joe Bluth throws fire from his hands. I have a question for you, Andrew, because you're not here, and I want to know. I'm so close. I know. So close. So soon. So close. Twenty-two shows, but who's counting? <laughs> you have to do that every single episode. Every single episode, I'm counting us down till the end. Yeah. Till of you know. Hamilton. Well, that's funny because we're actually have only got one, one or two more episodes until we get to I the know. end of that. So we're going to skip from 23, 22. He's no home. shows. He's Andrew's unemployment. This is unemployment, Andrew. And you're going to see my beard grow out for your Patreon. Oh my people god! You're going to start so seeing me like grow this glorious beard. Unemployment beard is what it is. So I went to a dinner last night that was like based on this thing called a Jefferson dinner, which I'll put in the show notes for everybody. The question was posed to this like really disparate, interesting group of folks who had been gathered for this dinner in this past year, you know, 2019, where did your innovation come from? Like, where did you find innovation? What inspired the innovation in your life? And I wanted to ask you it because I saw yesterday, you guys have got your product launch that you and Miguel have been working on for a while. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was like, I want to know what Andrew has to say. Where did you see or find or mine inspiration and innovation from this year. This year? Mm-hmm. As we start to close out the year. It's so hard to say. 2019 has been a, a challenge for me. And mm-hmm. I think we've discussed it on this podcast a few mm-hmm. times is that it's been, you know, one of the longest shows I've ever been a part of or something that I've done. You know, it, mm-hmm. the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, trying to expect a different result. And that's kind of what I felt in the last six months. Oh my months. God. It's Whoa. weird. Yeah, but it's weird that, uh, that I've got to this place now because, you know, we announced our closing the January Mm -hmm. 5th date. And then we had to wait six months, right? There's a honeymoon period of like, oh my God, the show's closing. Holy shit. And that Uh lasted like two months, three months max. And then all of a sudden I was like racked with anxiety and like, what the fuck is happening right now? Because you're in this weird nebulous place of like, I know the job's ending, but I'm not ready to leave yet. And I'm Mm -hmm. not leaving yet. Like I'm kind of lashed to this thing. You're trying to enjoy it, but you're not. Mm -hmm. The inspiration aspect of that is it's caused me to start thinking of other ways that I love to do things, right? You have your study, right. you have your main job. And then of course, I, I love to play golf for everybody's out there. And mm-hmm. I know that the people listening know that I'm obsessed with playing golf. Anything <laughs> surrounding golf, like I'm obsessed with it. And me and Miguel have come up with this idea for Shoe Caddy, right? So my inspiration has basically been this podcast, honestly, like the people that we're talking to. Oh, wow. And I don't mean to like shameless plug our own shit. That wasn't but like, set up. Yeah, wait, wait. No, it wasn't at all. It absolutely wasn't. No, no. He didn't not, know I was going to ask him that question. No okay. fucking clue. But I literally, I take inspiration from this podcast every single time that we record with somebody. I'm like, holy fuck, they're like the doers. They're the builders. Those are creative types. So I was like, I'm kind of doing that right now. You are. You know, like we had an idea. 
flesh out the idea by making the actual product shoe caddy yeah and then going out and like actually boots on the ground kind of like selling it to people or selling the idea to people and seeing it kind of grow and flourish mm. and now we've got this online presence and now we've got you know we're starting to come up with new content and things like that but the inspirations actually come from a lot of the people that we interview on here and that's been my 2019 thus far is that like listening to you guys watching you and emily just kind of formulate and make this podcast a thing and turning it into a thing mm. we've catapulted ourselves into this weird echelon and now it's it's inspiring to me to be like shit man i got like i got other things to offer you know it's like i've yeah. got an idea and to watch and to watch it kind of all unfold in front of you it's like shit mm. man this thing's kind of taken off you know yeah. we we posted yesterday on instagram and facebook a small like little blur, blur about it for the holidays and whatnot we had like 200 orders for shoe caddies yesterday andrew congrats that's it's amazing insane. holy and shit yeah it's it's really Are crazy you, oh my god you must feel so proud that's amazing I, I am but i'm also like in this weird trepidatious kind of place where i'm i'm hesitant to like you know a we're not profitable yet but like no, at the same not. time you know it's building like a slow but you're steady allowed to celebrate the small successes I exactly like, right? yeah exactly but again like with you you're like yes the small successes build to larger successes but mm -hmm. i've got to stay focused on the path yeah, i've got to stay focused sure. on the what's happening right now and what's mm -hmm. happening tomorrow and what's happening next week because mm -hmm. that is not affected by what's happening today you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying it, it mm -hmm. is but it isn't so yeah. we, I was trying to stay ahead of the game. We got invited to the PGA show this year, which is a professional golf association show down in Florida awesome. to show in the new inventor section. Cool. Like the new new accessories and stuff like that, which is fucking great. It's so crazy. It's amazing. You need to yeah. set up a link for our listeners like a, that they can go to, you know, like shoecaddy.com slash TM2C podcast and get like a special discount or something extra with their shoe caddy if they yeah, want. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll give you guys free shipping or we'll do something fun for you just uh, as our listeners out there. I think that like generally what you just expressed is what I heard over and over at the dinner in different forms is that largely for the people around me, the innovation in their lives has come from access to disparate viewpoints, lenses and experiences this year yeah. and not just doing the same thing that you do all the time. So I don't know. I would like to hear what our listeners have to say about that. Actually, as we start to close out the year, like where did you find innovation this year? Where did your innovation come from? Where did you find inspiration? Tell us your stories and we'll share them on Instagram as we head into that 2020. 2020. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, listen. Okay. On the other side of this, I want to know, like, what was your inspiration? Yeah. I told them last night at the dinner, I was like, uh, you know what? It was really since August of 2018 mm -hmm. when I was flying home from LA, being away for the summer and had this like massive inspiration on the planes and was like, ah, I know what I want to do with my company, Broadway Unlocked, finally beyond building a brand. Since that point, I've spent this entire year running like a cheetah after putting myself in business situations, which I am less familiar with and less comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So that's everything from like joining the Zuckerberg Institute, constantly learning from business people, to taking coffee with anyone who would introduce me to someone else, right, right, to going to these dinners, to starting to train corporate leaders in storytelling. And I was saying at the dinner, that is certainly what has inspired all of the innovation in my life this year. And what I found was really cool is that for the very first time, because I've always dabbled outside of the arts, right, as part of what I do, yeah. but it felt like I used to have to pretend that I was one thing or another when I was right. doing it, like masquerading. And this yeah. year, I have been able to be an artist stepping into this other world to learn and soak up and grab and then come back yeah. and bring it back to my work as an artist. And that has been like incredibly fulfilling and exciting and surprising. And I mean, 
shit, we had the Give Back concert in August of 2019. Right. We now have this podcast. We have a storytelling for leaders training that we're developing with Google. We have launched a salon series that brings together business leaders and theater leaders around a table and great food and wine to exchange ideas. It's insane. And then we have the, we also had this in August, but this um, full steam program that brings theater and creativity into maker spaces with preteens who are learning like STEM stuff yeah. so that they grow up creative in their science, technology, engineering, and math fields. Can you believe, I mean, that's like a year I, and two months. Insane it's crazy. To me. It's a good question, right? I feel like my friend at the dinner posed that question Absolutely. to everyone. Taking stock of what you did of the year or sitting around a table at New Year's Eve being like, what are you thankful for? Yeah. What do you have? What did you do? This is, you know, it's like kind of being like, oh shit, I did do quite a bit this a year. A lot. Yeah, totally. Can we high five through the computer? <laughs> what are we doing on the episode today? Oh my God. We are talking to the inimitable. <laughs> I love that word. His name is Reza and he is an illusionist, magician, trickster who <laughs> has a, a standing show in Branson, Missouri, and he is a self-made magician. And he's really young. When we say like this podcast is about people who are building it from the ground up, Reza is like the epitome of what we're talking about. If magic was a hammer and a nail, this motherfucker found both and then just started like hammering <laughs> shit together. So I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode. It, it, we had a great time and I love this guy. His yeah, his mindset is just the way that he views life is like really, it's really special. This is yet another one of these uh, coffee dates we are having with people who are not just like executing the job, but constantly creating and reimagining and reinventing. And I just feel like there's so much to learn from that, no matter what yeah. industry someone's in. Oh, I yeah. think if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to surprise yourself with how much inspiration and innovation you take away from listening to Raisa's story today. By the way, I noticed I was looking at our reviews the other day, and we have like one four-star review. Guess who gave it to us? My mom. No. Oh, Antoine Ramon, guest on the CVTC episode. Right. We mention him on here pretty regularly. Maybe he's the person who asks questions. <sighs> You know what? I'm going to pose this. I just made this shit up. Let's have a little raffle. We'll have an audition process. We'll do the whole thing on here. We're going to go ahead and do like a voiceover audition okay. for all of our questions on <gasps> TM2C Podcast, right? Oh. If you want to be the voice of our questions. The voice of TM2C Podcast. You're an uh, aspiring voiceover actor or an actor or anything like that. You want to learn some shit from two fucking prolific voiceover actors that we are, <laughs> then you True. should absolutely enter this contest. We'll have you on TM2C Podcast for one month. You can read questions live on the air on our our podcast and have your voice featured right here and we um you know you might even get some like learn some shit they need to submit on our instagram stories for january yep. what do you want them to read uh well let's put out a piece of content okay. right just a small audition script we'll pick one winner every month for 12 months who can read episodes or maybe we'll just do like per episode if we get enough entrance let's you know do maybe like on episode or something like that yeah. Okay. So we're going to put a part of our intro up that Andrew and I read every every episode. Here's the thing. You know us well enough if you listen. You can choose to approach this in a very serious manner and like give us your best voiceover uh -huh. work. Which is like the Jess method. <laughs> right. But you can also go the Andrew method. And be as fucking weird <laughs> and kooky and voices and accents and do all kinds of shit. You know, if somebody wants to even ask like a, a question in some kind of... We'll decipher that also on the air. 
um, you can, we, we know a lot of languages. So just, you know, if we don't know it, we'll study it. We'll find somebody who does. We'll find somebody from any corner of the internet who actually understands that language. We'll decipher that shit on the air live. So that's a recap. We're searching for the voice of TM2C podcast in the spirit of this thing. We're going to switch it every month for now, maybe every episode down the road. You're going to get to read the questions that come in from Instagram on the episode, which you can just do real easy on your voice memo app. It won't take any time. And we will credit you, include all of your social media information on all of our episodes during that month and plug you. We'll even have you on to talk to you for a bonus episode that month. How about that? Hell yeah. That's great. We just came up with that shit on the spot because we've been inspired <laughs> this year by all the people we've interviewed, all these awesome people. So true. Listen, if you want to be a guest on the TM2C podcast, head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C podcast and leave us a video ask for any upcoming guests that we have on the podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Reza. <laughs> Whiskey in the morning. Yeah. It's just tea, but that's <laughs> what I want. I was like, oh, he's hardcore. Yeah. Only real illusionists slash magicians drink yeah. whiskey in the morning at 11 a.m. Hell yeah. <laughs> We've been having a real discussion about changing this from take me to coffee to take me to happy Take hour. me to drinks. Yeah. <laughs> take me to happy hour. That's the trend on TV with like drunk history and then like the late night shows like. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel that's like that's where we're going. Yeah, yeah, right. Going. Have you thought or talked to any producers? Uh, Penn and Teller, I just watched your Penn and Teller episode. Maybe you get on with those guys and you have the same kind of idea, but it's like drunk magic. I think that's where we're headed. <laughs> as, you really think so? As a society? Yeah. yeah. Just add alcohol? Yeah, pop culture and, and media. <laughs> I think it's... Right. It's, it's always like more everything. fun with yes. an intoxicant of some kind. It feels like right. a real slippery slope for magic. Um, I think it's doable. Oh, yeah? Because... Especially when it's being filmed, you have to take the edge off. Like if you just put a camera in front of somebody, uh, you, sure. you, you're in your own head. But if you add a little substance that takes uh-huh. the edge off and all of a sudden you, you are more sure. you, you're, you're more real. You're, you're, uh-huh. you're not trying to act. You're, you're just. Oh, that's interesting. But there's a fine line. Yeah. You know oh, yeah. I mean? It's like right. when you're in a bar and you're like, I'm not good at pool. Then you yes. have a couple beers and you get to your level and you're like, fuck, now I'm at my bar game level. And then there's a threshold that you pass over and there's transference there and you go, oh, fuck, now I don't know what I'm doing anymore because yeah. I've lost all motor skills. Yep. It's like a two drink. Well, okay. There you go. Yeah. Whatever that threshold is for you. That's fantastic. I have a friend who's the line producer for Drunk History and what they do because they shoot each episode in two parts. There's the the drunk storytelling and then the, the interview right? is a different shoot day. And then with the interview, they literally have like an EMS on staff who's taking your blood alcohol level right. like every so often to like make sure you hit that sweet spot, but don't go over into like, oh God, we got to take him to the hospital. Right. <laughs> God, I've seen some episodes of that where they've fallen out of their chairs before, you know, just trying to make a move. Like that shit's hilarious. <laughs> All right. Enough about drunk fucking history. Raisa. Oh illusion. my God. This is going to be a question palooza. We got so many questions for you. Really? We usually do like three or four. But before we dive in, walk us through a quickly. Where are you fucking from? How did you get to Branson? I'm so excited yeah. to hear that. Like, yes. Are you in Branson I mean, right yes. now? He's in Branson. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, a hillbilly mecca. I'm so, we I'm such a fan. We have so much time we in Branson. We have so much time in Branson. I mean, most of my formative years were spent in Branson. I feel like we partied so in the neighborhood right where now. your address is. <laughs> Wait, you're joking. No. You're serious? We Not went to all. school in Springfield where Dana went Yeah, we went, went to school to. in Springfield, Missouri. Oh, okay. And I grew up in Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fill us in on you. Fill us in on you. Well, I mean, you opened the Branson thing. Branson is like, 
this very weird balance. If you're 100 miles from Branson, yes. 200 miles from Branson, it's like the thing, 300 miles. And then there's like this threshold. Three to 400 miles is like Branson is hillbilly, uh, backwoods, whatever. Like it's not respected. Right. It's like those guys. And then you cross that three, four, 500 miles mm-hmm. and it's what is Branson? We've never heard of it before. So it goes from like <laughs> totally. popular yes. to, to just like keep me away from that. And then to just this like, Never yeah. ever yeah. heard of it. Which is crazy because where people have heard of it, it is the branded as like the live entertainment capital of the world or the live music capital of the world. 150 right. shows here at any given moment, right. yeah. theater seats, they do the you know the math on Broadway versus so here. But then it just falls into oblivion after you know this this radius. So I found Branson because I came here as a kid and this is our vacation spot. Uh, and I got started in magic and I was like six or seven years old, and my parents they saw that and they wanted to kind of cultivate that interest in me. So they would bring me here and like set up these mentorships with magicians here. And at the time, every Thanksgiving on NBC, there was a big special called World's Greatest Magic. Absolutely. Yes. I loved it. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with magic. So yeah. I love it. And it was shot at Caesar's Palace. Those were like the names. Like I could name every single one of those performers, you know, as if they were the, the Justin Bieber's and the Selena Gomez and the Taylor Swift. But to me, like those were that on that level. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I come here and my parents would set these meetings up and all of a sudden here I was like with them and they were teaching me things. And so that took it yeah. for me from like this interest into like, okay, I can see where this can become a career and these guys are willing to help me do it. And that was that was the start of it. And that's what attached me to Branson to start with. So I would have never come here on my own. But once you come here as a kid, then it becomes cool. And then when you come back here, it becomes like full circle. And so it's really just like that fulfilling thing of like, I was that kid in the front row. And now I'm on stage looking at that kid, right. knowing what that feels like, knowing how how fast my heart was beating because that's him now. Right. Waits to the end of the autograph line afterwards and comes up uh, and he has a deck of playing cards. And I know, hey, you know, hey, dude, are right. you a magician? Yeah, yeah, I do magic. You got a trick Do you want to show me a trick? Ah. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, full okay. circle, you know, so that's it for me. But coming from South Dakota, correct? You were born and raised in South Dakota? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. like seven or 800 miles away from Branson? How did you even, how did your parents even find Branson? It's the nearest thing. Cause if you look right. at South Dakota, it's so removed. Vegas is, is a two day drive, 24 hours. Right. Yeah. I love your story, Reza, because you had access yeah. to mentorship that you wouldn't have had access to because of Branson. And like a lot of our performer friends, that was the place where we could actually make like great money during college doing a show. Right. It kind of blows my mind that you are where you are because of Branson. And I think it's super special and amazing. And I can't imagine what it must feel like to see that kid in your audience in front of you. Yeah. It, it became cool for that, but also logistically, because as you guys know, it's right in the center of the US. Yeah. And I have made my angle on on magic is touring. Ah, taking yeah. it and, and I, I figured out early on how to take it on the road, which is hard. Right. I started investing in my own lighting and sound and tour bus, which my first tour bus was actually a school bus that I, yeah, I was like 15 years old, bought like a it, retrofitted school bus. Yeah. I That's took the amazing. Seats out and like the back area, we put the equipment in and it was me and my friends. And then we saved up enough money to ditch that thing for actually it's, it was Elvis's band's bus the year that Elvis died. So it's a 77 MCI <gasps> still looks exactly like it did day one. All the like 
super retro. It looks like if you've been to Graceland, yeah. it's like that. Lighting and the the fixtures and whatnot. That's so wild. Yeah, like thick velvet all over. So we went into that and then yeah. we went into like a little newer tour bus. And so now I have like Prevo, which is what everybody, you know, all the, the industry standard for touring in. But I didn't start with that. So I have an appreciation right. for every right. little right. convenience of, of life that brings because I started just grinding it, you know. So here oh, I am dude. with my friends having just this dream, but not really any knowledge other than these guys that you know mentored me but they weren't touring guys so i had to figure it all out and i started taking inspiration more from like a, a band so i started going to town to town go two weeks in advance go put up posters go to the radio station knock on their door hey i'm reza i'm a magician here's what i do here's how it's different and just like grassroots and every time i go into a town the first time i go in there i'm only have like 5,200 people show up at this show but then I would impress those people. I'd give it enough time, come back into that market and do it again. Now there's 200 people. And then finally I would start selling out after my third or fourth time there. But I had to like grassroot this whole thing. And magicians don't do that. Like yeah. music, yes. Other industry, yes. Right. Magicians are so like they're nerds, right? Or we're nerds. I should be inclusive of this because it's true. We're so into like these little slights uh, where we want to be able to get the car to do this, the coin to do that. And we're just in our room doing it, doing it, doing it. Uh, but how does that connect to the audience? It's all about taking it and putting it in front of an audience and getting the reaction and develop and cultivating that, that art into something. If they laugh at a joke, you know, make another joke like it. If they're freaked out by something, then that's the angle. That trick becomes the danger trick. And you have to put it in front of people to do that. So I just started doing that as a young kid. And then I realized that my my inspirations were all these other art forms other than magic and it started becoming more like a rock concert meets a magic show or taking inspiration from the comedians and the timing that i would listen to and, and figure out you know why is that so funny because if someone else was to say that exact same thing it wouldn't be funny but that delivery just the little nuances of that that makes it funny so taking that and putting it into my own voice and figuring all that out and i'm just like you know what magic is so much more than just the sleight of hand it is a tr it's truly an art form that people don't give it the credit for if you do it right i find that fascinating listen up tm2c family are you listening to this Podcast, right now please. here's what we're hearing you can be an artist and run your own business you can be an artist and be inspired by other things right raise it we talked to an instagram a cellist a juilliard cellist who is an instagram star and like started talking during his classical concert same thing like why wouldn't i do this like breaking the breaking the paradigm that's already in place yeah, yeah. this is ah oh, this is what this podcast is for i love that you are so inspired that's what i'm saying taking the inspiration taking the inspiration from what's working or what you see on the outside and retrofitting it to right. what you need to do like everybody's got magic right you've got your magicians who do their street magic or you've got the stage magic and you've got strictly those two worlds now you've kind of crossed all of that and made magic more approachable but then you've also given an entertainment value entirely yeah you open up this other corridor which I, took me a long time to figure out but the moment i figured this out it was game changing magic needs to be relatable just like music is relatable yeah if you go to a concert there's this huge number it's the this is a song on the radio it's a big production right all the lights all the energy whatever the next moment the artist on the front of the stage on a stool with just a guitar it's an acoustic and you're listening to every lyric because it's a personal song they're making personal to you and you're like oh yeah that's my life yeah. and you're sitting here listening to that yeah. Yeah. it's that back and forth that that roller coaster that makes you feel something for magic to do that you can't use these objects that magicians use that sparkly box that no one's ever seen before right these are not things that fit this performer people can't connect to that so i started like going okay what's around me 
how can I make magic relatable? Like, okay, there's a motorcycle. I'm going to use that. There's spray paint. There's a knife. There are all of these things that people know exactly what they are. So when they see magic done with them, it's already more impressive because you know that that motorcycle is 600 pounds. <laughs> there's no way that could have appeared Amazing. there in, a, in, a, in an instant or a saw, you know, rather than using like some weird sword, mm. I use a, a little like buzzsaw, like an actual buzzsaw and run it through someone because they know what that is. That became something too for me that was different than anyone else. And I'm just like, I'm going to use this stuff in your garage and do magic with it. So that was another thing for me. See, that's what I find fascinating. It's like, it's a tangibility for like the audience that you are performing for. They understand that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They understand the danger. So it's heightened in their minds. They're like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's a it's a buzzsaw. It's awesome how you've related to these people and right. tailored your show to that kind of thing. And from an entrepreneur standpoint, I mean, that's just it's fascinating. Yeah. Once you're there, you're like, duh. Why wouldn't everyone do this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> always. That's always how I feel. But it took you all this time to get there. So it yeah. takes the time, right? It's being too close to the painting. You know, all these magicians, they hang out together. They go to these mm. magic conferences and they're just, they're in their circles or local groups. It's stepping back from that and looking at pop culture and looking at what inspiration can we take from something that's never been plucked from. And that's the special thing. And if more people did that, it would be, I don't want to say respected art form, but it would be. You wouldn't have all these, I call them cruise ship magicians. You go on a cruise ship, you know that the five tricks you're going to see in that show. The mm -hmm. sword's going to go through the basket and the woman's going to cut in half mm -hmm. and same jokes, same corniness. You know, imagine if every time you saw that, it was truly an artist, like a, a comedian. Most, most comedians, they have to do their original material right. and everyone's kind of an individual, at least once you get to a certain point. 9% yep. of or comedians are right. original in some way. Let's just mm -hmm. go with that idea. You know, I made that fact up. Let's go with that. <laughs> It'd be the flip-flop. 10% of magicians are original and the rest just fall into this can of the same old, same old. Right. And that's, right. that's kind of sad. But at the same time, it creates opportunity because anyone that can do that better, all of a sudden, it's easier to break through. Say, good for you. <laughs> it's obviously clear that you uh, have made a really strong connection with your fans because we got so many questions for you. Let's go back to the touring stuff. We got a lot of questions about that. So we got a question from DA3013. Being able to travel for a living sounds nice, but do you ever feel like you miss out a lot when you do a show but have to hit the road again, not allowing time to fully take in areas? It's a great question. I mean, you miss out on a lot because when you go to do a show, unless it's a tour date, which are great, you're spending a day to travel out. You do the show and day to travel back. So it's three days of your life mm -hmm. to go and do a two-hour show. Sure. So that's a one-off. You know, those aren't ideal, but that happens. If you add that up over the course of doing, you know, 250 or so shows a year, mm. and then you figure out how much you're traveling, you're spending a lot of time on the road, in a plane, whatever. So you do miss out on life. Um, I think the biggest toll that's taken on me personally, it's not about not seeing everything that there is to see in an area, but where it takes its toll is on family. I don't know the last time that I've been to a wedding. Oh, yeah. Graduation, mm. those kind of things. It's all weekends. I have zero weekends. And Andrew, I'm sure you can, uh, you know, relate relate to this because when you sign up for yeah. this, that's yeah. kind of what you sign up for. You're in a you're in a spot where it's it's like flip flops. Yeah. My work week is the weekend where your yeah. work week's the regular week. What yeah. the nine to five would be. Yeah. I always tell people if they want me to come to their wedding, it's Tuesday at two o'clock. If you do a Tuesday at two o'clock <laughs> wedding, <laughs> I will be there. It's, it's got to be difficult too, being the headliner of your own show. Like for what I have, if I need to take a day off, I'll take a day off. I got a standby. I got an understudy. And I think people need to understand that like promoting yourself as an entrepreneur and promoting your own business, you 
can't let the audience down. When you're the product. When you're the product. Yeah. You are it. Yeah. You, there's nobody who can stand in for you. Yeah. You are beholden to the audience, but you're also like, I'm missing all these things. How do you kind of like balance? How do you find that? Yeah, that's, that's it right there. It's not only always being there to the show, but always giving that your 100%. I've seen performers, I don't want to name names, but like top of the industry guys. I've seen them one night and they're phoning it in. Next night, they're delivering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In our industry too, same thing. Same thing, yeah. yeah same. And I guess I mean, we're human beings, you know what I mean? We are flawed, like we have our own things. There's outside uh, stimulus that like causes us to do whatever we do because we are, you know, we're not robots. Right? But people don't know that. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what night I'm coming on. Right. I bought the yeah. tickets. Exactly. I don't care what what you ate for lunch that day because I don't give a shit. Like I, I paid for this. You're, you're giving yeah. me the product. How yeah. do you find that balance for yourself? If you're not feeling well, do you feel beholden to the audience? It's crazy. Like- Doing the show is actually one of my favorite parts of the day. It's not the part that I'm like, oh man, I got to go to work. And what's kind of cool about it too, is I don't have to think about it. Like I have an amazing team that they make sure everything is prepared. So it's not taxing on me. It's not stressful on me. I get to have my day. And the moment I walk on that stage and that audience, they give me that energy that allows me to give it back to them. They give me mm-hmm. the fuel that I need to deliver to them. And the moment I walk on the stage, I'm always in a good mood. If I had a, you know, a terrible day or stress or whatever, I just like a, like a, a switch flips. All of a sudden, I am that guy. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. have a, a terrible migraine before the show. The moment I walk on stage, it's gone. And after the show, I'm in a great mood. So w- why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something to be said for the collective conscious and like that energy that you get. It's the best mm-hmm. medicine. Speaking of a good time, we got another question here. It is Karen from Chicago. What is something that you do for fun that isn't related to your brand or occupation? Tennis. Nice. Oh, you love tennis. Okay, nice. I play tennis. I play other sports too. I love basketball and stuff, but I have to be careful with injuries and basketball. I'm, I'm very, I'll go after that ball when I shouldn't. You know, I'm very competitive and I'm, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. speaking to similar yeah. souls. <laughs> Two of the most competitive people you will ever see in your entire life. It's I know so we true. do a podcast, but we <laughs> fight it out tooth and nail for every scrap of mic time that we can get. <laughs> so that's what I do. So tennis is like that, that balance for me. Like it's not dangerous. I can do it every day, but it, it gives me those endorphins. And I, I don't want to ever have an, an injury. I, I owe it to the people who give my best. And like right. at some points in the year, I do 70 or 80 days straight without a break. Is that a lot or, or a little? Jesus. I don't know. Andrew, what do you do in a row? What's what's the most? We do eight shows a week in a row. Our show's three hours long. I work for 10 minutes of it, but that's just me. We do eight, <laughs> eight a week and then we'll have Mondays off. So we'll get Sunday evening at five o'clock off until seven o'clock on Tuesday. 80 shows in a row with no break or you just dark on Tuesdays? Zero break. So 80, just 80 clean. Categorically that's no, a lot. <laughs> un, that's a lot, especially to be engaged, to be present, to be there yeah. like and giving your all. That's a lot, man. It was mid-May to mid-August, so whatever the math is on that. And actually, not only did I have shows every single day without one day off, two or three of those days, I had two shows a day. I mean, that is (laughs) mind-blowing. Just speaking to to the work ethic, like, where did you learn that? You know what I mean? Coming to work, showing up, Mm -hmm. doing the gig, and I know you love it. The passion's clearly involved, but like, was it instilled in you from a young age? Yeah. I mean, part of it's the South Dakota thing. Like there's just work ethic just inherent in South Dakota. You know, it's farmers and- Midwest too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's also just the demand too, because we have a thousand seat theater. So it's not huge, but not tiny. Oh my God. That's so many Mm -hmm. people. I have a question around that. Well, we received a question about like relationships, keeping a relationship. I realize it's something we haven't actually talked about on this podcast. Like how hard it is or isn't to keep up a relationship or even find one when you're working like that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And one that 
we've we've been discussing quite a bit recently. So I'm in a long-term relationship and my girlfriend is a part of the show in several aspects. Very helpful. Yeah. She's the lead in the show. Uh, she has mm -hmm. an understudy, so she gets to, to, to travel whenever she wants to go in and out. <laughs> and she, Lucky. yeah, she lives that life, the good life. Yeah. But she also oversees a lot of the business as well. So she handles payroll and, you know, we have a CPA firm and everything, but she's kind of that to conduit in between that to keep everything running. Mm -hmm. We were talking about like, is it better to be so closely involved because you get on your each other's nerves quite a bit because we're talking about high stress mm -hmm. moving high parts yeah. i mean there's so many moving parts yeah so many reasons to to be upset at the other person would it be better to be mm -hmm. totally removed and we live separate lives you, you see so many divorces and breakups in the entertainment industry and in hollywood and all that it's for a good reason you know yeah there's a few people that have these relationships with this a-list actress you know, dating like you know whoever just some other industry you a, know totally a normal a normal yeah. we call them a normal yeah. i can't even think of what <laughs> an example like what what do people do, do again some other professions what right. what valet uh i can't think of dog anything. walker <laughs> yeah, dog, yeah that's, that's right. it. cpa, <laughs> CPA. Mm -hmm. you know otherwise it's just you know so much turmoil so we've made it work even though We've definitely had our, our ups and downs, but I don't know to the answer to that. What's better to be so closely involved or to live your separate lives? Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about, okay, do you prefer magic illusions? Does it matter to you? No. How do you, how do you name it? I actually, even like the biggest things, like I make a helicopter appear in the show. I call that a trick. A trick. You oh, know, shit. I okay. Yeah. All right. Like, you know, the, my helicopter trick, you know, and people are like, trick, that's an illusion. But that, that just shows you that I don't get too wrapped up into it. Okay. Okay. I know you probably get this a lot. And I had to say it on this podcast. <laughs> when you were coming on here, I was like, fuck, I'm going to make a lot don't of embarrass illusion. Me. Don't embarrass me, Andrew. This It's what I do. I make a lot of <laughs> reference because I'm, I'm obsessed with magic. And I'm also obsessed with a television show called Arrested Development. Joe Bluth, uh, played by Will Arnett. Yeah. Do you get a lot of like... They're not tricks, Michael. Yeah. Tricks are what whores do for money. They're illusions. So he gets so angry when it's like, they're not tricks, they're illusions. You know, do you do you get a lot of that shit? Like people are just constantly coming at you with A, arrested development jokes, or B, they're like, they're not tricks. Don't don't say that in front of him. Don't how dare you? Yeah, no, I think that's good for magic. Those shows that are highly regarded shows, mm -hmm. you know, take the time to, you know, people like uh, Neil Patrick Harris cameos and characters yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff he's a magician you know well they'll, they'll write in lines about magic people will have those like catchphrases in their head so i think it's good because magic you know some years ago was this corny cliche like rabbits out of hats and so to have like these respected actors even though they're kind of poking fun at magic put the spotlight on you know things and when people say things like that on the corny side of it discussion yeah. and dialogue and it, it's just you know yeah well, just in general, right? Again, yeah. making it more palatable in like societal terms or Part approachable of. or tangible, you know, I mean, kind of lends itself to be making it more real. So we can poke fun at it. And that's what I think brings a comedy and the entertainment aspect into it, right? Yeah. Here's a good question. This is like total left turn, but uh, this is Gavin from South Dakota. He wants to know what the weirdest thing is that someone has asked you to sign. Oh. And this is an explicit show. So if it's your dick, you can you say can it. Say if it's a dick, <laughs> that's where you went? Well, he doesn't have boobs. Yeah. I mean, all the body parts, you know, those are almost like expected, you know? Really? You're so chill about that. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for me. I'm not trying to say like, I'm a rock star, but like people know that, like sign my yeah, what, like, totally. but yeah. I have an autograph table in the meet and greet line. So it's like a step and repeat and a table. Uh. 
the line forms and I walk over to the table and then whatever they put on the table, which is usually posters or this or that, I sign it. I step over to the seven people for the picture and that's it. And the meet and greets are usually about, I do a public one, not private. You do that every show. I do it every show. You're amazing. That is shows so in a row. fucking awesome. And yeah. that is a whole lesson itself for performers. You know, I, and I'm getting off of the tangents. I'll try and wrap it all together in a second here, but I did uh, Acapulco, Mexico. And I did these kind of arena shows. They're big mm-hmm. shows, 4,000 seats per show. I did, I think, 40 shows there. So it was a lot. It's amazing. Um, and that was over a month and a half. But I did a, a meet and greet there at every single one. The moment I would go out into just a city or whatever, people would swarm around me. And people couldn't believe that because it's it's not an approachable culture there. Like there's all these assault rifles, every street corner and all this whatever. But just the fact that I made myself so approachable all of a sudden, everybody started latching on that idea and it developed this this fan base that didn't exist there for any other performer. All the other shows there, they don't do the meet and greets. They just they never identify with the performer or the mm. artist. They just identify with the show or the concept of the shows. So I started doing that. And that was, uh, I think, 2012, 2013. And I realized just in that culture how meaningful that was yeah. to them right. and how that developed that career there. And at that point forward, everywhere I went, no matter what city, how I felt, whatever, after the show... There I was, and people would come back mm-hmm. and they'd say, do you remember me? I, I said hello to you, got this picture. They'll show me the picture from last time, or here's my daughter. Look, she came to your, your shoulder last time, and now look, mm-hmm. she's your height. You know, people, people respond to that. So anyway, now I'm off on a tangent. Remind me. So get me back to where I was. Oh, weirdest thing to sign. Yeah, there we go. Okay, okay, that's why. Okay. It's so important to me to do this, but it becomes robotic because you're spending an hour of your day every day doing the same exact thing over and over and over and over and over. Not not a VIP meet and greet for 15 people. I'm talking about a lot of people. Thousands. It could potentially be a thousand people. Yeah, yeah. And even as important that is, I still become robotic and whatever people put on this table, I will sign it without thinking. So once in a while, people will put like a Louis Vuitton purse down to grab a photo. It doesn't oh. matter what it is. Without thinking, I will Oops. sign their baby if they put it on this table. This is like God, whatever you goes just here. Pull the Ricky Bobby. Boom, yeah, boom, right. Boom, boom. And so I'll sign the most embarrassing things sometimes because people will put like their cell phones down to have them signed. You know, it becomes like there's there's no weird thing. They want their cell phone signed. They want their whatever signed. Like, I think yeah. nothing. Could of have it. been a boom. dick. You were just going down the line. <laughs> Whatever you think I've signed, I've probably signed without even If you can imagine it, he's signed it. It's really interesting that you mentioned what you were just talking about. Andrew and I were literally just talking about this while we were waiting for you about like the burnout that happens when you are seeing people after your show and trying to figure out if you matter, like what you're doing in the world matters and you hear you're amazing, but you hear it all the time and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you become inundated with this like thing, right? You constantly hear it and you just go into robot mode of like, hey, welcome to the show. How are you? And I, I find myself stepping back sometimes when I'm signing autographs and things outside. And then I'm signing, signing, signing. And I hear myself start saying things that I've said to the prior two people. And I'm like, fuck, man, am I just like, am I really just going through the motions right now? What is this? And you know, you find you remove yourself a little bit. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, nope. That really wasn't my signature, but like I'll, I'll let it go anyways because there's like, 50 more people. You know what I mean? <laughs> You get into this fucking robotic thing and I and I understand what you're saying is how do you feel like how do you kind of usurp that feeling that you don't give yourself wholly in the personal approach as opposed to on stage? Yeah, I, I think in that moment specifically, I think the reason why I become robotic with the autograph is because I'm really trying to keep my my brain alert to every single person I'm looking at and I'm trying to to be in the moment with that person. Because mm. people do expect you to remember them, right? You know, a lot of times. But you're definitely never going to remember anybody, right? Like you meet a thousand people a night. How the fuck are right. you going to remember anyone? Right. I can. There, there's a portion of my brain that I can store this this memory that I 
I've seen this person before. I know them. I can't yeah. get in yeah. depth with where I've seen them. Was it in this city or a different yeah. city? But I at least can go, right. okay, it's good to see you again and say that. Mm. Right. There's a, there's a recognition there. Yes. Yeah. I bet that means a lot to someone too when you do that. It's, it's hard, but I think it is important. And I think it's something that's overlooked by a lot of performers because they think that they're too good. Yeah. Crazy. Listen, I want to flip this on its ear a little bit. And I want to talk about something that's like kind of, uh, again, I'm going to say pervasive in our society. We have a question here. This is from our friend Antoine. Hey, Reza, my name's Antoine. And my question for you is, how often have you encountered female illusionists and or magicians? Uh, and do you have any opinion or insight as to maybe why there aren't as many female illusionists uh, in your business? Thanks. Antoine Ramon of the hit show Hamilton and a guest on TM2C Podcast. Yeah. Woo. I think that's a good question, though. It's a great think, question. Man? I, think, I think there's probably... Two separate answers to that question. Magic is an art form that's, that's passed down by inspiration. So you see somebody, you idolize them. First thing is to copy them, right. and then you figure out your own path. That's the thing. Like Every person will go, oh, yeah, that's the guy that I saw, and it set the hook. If there is ever a point where there's more female magicians, mm-hmm. it'll inspire more female magicians because more girls will go, I can be that. It's harder for a girl, I think, you know, a young girl, especially to look at a guy and go, I want to do that because there isn't that same connection. So I think that's probably the first answer is if someone would like Mm. go out and cast 50 magicians that are females and put them into 50 different roles on cruise ships. And like if if one agent casting director made that his his mission in life to create female magicians, all of a sudden, I think you'd see a pattern of that passing the torch on to more female magicians. I think that's just natural. But there's also, I think, another aspect of that. And I want to be careful of how I how I say this. I think it's hard for a guy to accept being fooled by a girl. I think that there's a gender role there where, and this is heavy, but um, it kind of ticks a guy off, I think, to be deceived by a female. Is that too much to say? Well, oh, this is a slippery, I'm going to let you ladies answer this one because this is a, I have my own thoughts on it. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say on it. I, I just hope that that's changing. I think about myself, right, as a like female leader in a space where there are mostly men around and I know that I have experienced a version of what you're talking about, not in doing magic because I don't do magic, but like I know what you're talking about. And it's, I think you're right. And I, I think it is changing slowly because I've also experienced, especially in this last year, a lot of people, a lot of men who are reacting and acting with me differently than the past. So I'm just going to cross my fingers that that is changing. However, slowly the iceberg is moving. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope so as well. Because I think that even in deception, like I don't see it as deception. I see it as you doing something that is beyond my skill set. And I see that as powerful Mm -hmm. for me personally. But I understand that there are a lot of, you know, uh, men out there who are not able to differentiate between professionality or professional success versus my own ego. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. I'm all about the empowerment of women. I'm all about the equal. Um, and in magic, I think that maybe, mm. you know, you breaking new ground as an entertainer, the audience perspective coming backwards. Yeah. I think you, in, in essence, are giving people the right and the idea that like that all things are possible. You know, you're changing the landscape. And I think that for a lot of our lady listeners out there, if you guys love magic and you only see your icons who are men, break the mold, step into the forefront. Who gives a shit if people think that you're a temptress or a deceiver or whatever, you know, these 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 weird old 
archaic notions are. That's the thing is it's a two-way street too, right? I think like for myself, because yeah. I'll fuck it. I'm like, oh, it's a, that's a challenge. I love that. Let's see if we do that. So my job is to be so fierce mm-hmm. and to create something that doesn't follow molds, that doesn't even allow a man to be like, you're deceiving me. And like, I'd go about like, how do I create this show? Assuming that that's the first reaction that's going to happen with the majority of my audiences. And how can I like even use that to start defying their expectations and creating this this new paradigm that allows me to be a female a magician and to to take to, to be empowered and to take that you know and use it almost against everybody but in like a positive way i don't know that's just like the first place my brain goes it's all about that character development though exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and i'm finding myself like kind of developing in a show in my brain right now around a female <laughs> magician no totally it's about power you know like imagine lady gaga as a magician you know, that power behind her, mm-hmm. you know, having that dynamic about you, that's what it takes. It's not about gender. And as society, we're moving more and more towards that where the right things are mattering. But it's all about finding your voice and finding your uniqueness. And it doesn't matter what the art form is called, if it's ventriloquism, you know, female ventriloquist right. or whatever, you're an entertainer and you can use mm-hmm. whatever medium you feel uh, suits your character mm-hmm. the best to entertain people. There's moments in my show where it might make you feel emotional, you yeah. know, and mm-hmm. you're a storyteller, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's just weaving all that together. Well, shit, we're almost out of time. So let's go. We have no, I know. I, I know. Could go all day with this, I know. Man. Wait, but we have one more question. It's an easy one, but a really fun one. And it's from It's Yab. Boyalan one twelve. I don't know. Oh, that was from really South bad. Dakota? No, no. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's just it's your boy. It's your boy, Alan. Oh. It's your boy, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, it's your boy, Alan. Cool. Not from South Dakota. Awesome. Maybe from South Dakota. That was a know. real Jess Ryan moment right there. Uh, what's your favorite illusion or trick to do? Um, if if you want like the canned answer, it's like they're all my kids. I can't choose a favorite, but. <laughs> mm-hmm really what what it is what's the newest thing to me that's the most exciting oh, interesting as a challenge some some of the things i do take months and sometimes years of development before it gets put in the show and then sometimes it's just on a whim mm-hmm. so like wild. i uh, i came up with this idea i woke up in the morning this is like a week ago i'm trying to make the show kind of christmasy sure cool i'm like what if i get this gift box and as a kid you know shake presents to try and figure out what's inside but what if they reach in and try to feel it and if they could feel what it was and, and guess correctly then they get what's inside they reach in, they feel something completely different and then open it up. And then every time they don't get it because they didn't guess correctly. And it's like the first one they reach inside and it's like, it's a candy cane or whatever, you know, open it up and it's a bunch of, it's full of cash that they could have had if they had it. And then at the end, it's uh, they feel something and then it's ended up being a snake inside. So I, I I ran around town. It was first, it was going to be a scorpion, (laughs) but I actually, I I ran to like Michael's crafts and target and started putting this whole thing together. I ran to the pet store to get a, just go grab a scorpion for Michael's gifts. Yes. I did. Well, yeah, I went to the pet store for a scorpion and, and I left with a snake, a boa constrictor. But I just kind of ran around town okay. and got all the stuff put together and I put it in the show <laughs> next night. So at the moment, that's my favorite trick because that's all exciting. It's the newest to yeah, me. yeah, yeah, right, you right. Know, I appear at the first part of the show on a motorcycle. I end it with the helicopter. I do, you know, all these big, you know, dynamic stunts. But my favorite thing in the moment is just that. And that will change next week or a month from now or whatever. And that's what keeps it fresh and new and exciting for me. So, right. That is so cool. How bold over are you at any given second that you are doing for your living what you love and what you dreamed about? Like I, you were talking about being on the motorcycle and I can't imagine what that feels like every night to know that that's what you're doing. It's really cool. 
and the fact that I'm in total control of what that creative process is. So if I come up with something different or better, I can do that. You know, I don't work for anybody. I never had an investor because that's a route people can go. You know, they can just go, okay, here's my idea. I'm going to sell to someone. Give me, write me a check. You're going to own part of it. But then you're so dependent on that person. And if they stop having fun, they can pull the plug on it. So I built it so ground up just so I can be in control of every aspect. So every night I get to do what I want. And that's the reason why I can do 80 shows in a row or whatever is because if something's not fun for me, mm-hmm. I take it out of the show. I don't have to do it. I only do what I enjoy. Right. It's so personalized. Yeah. And yeah. for all of our listeners out there, if you do not love it and you cannot connect to it in a personal way, maybe it's not for you. You know, you can fake it for as long as you can, but like the audience is going to know yeah. and you're going to know at the end of the day and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for the long term. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be yeah. fine for now, but like if you're going to do 80 shows in a row or you're going to do 230,000 oh, people a summer, like- holy shit, you've got to be connected to that on a personal level. And I find that so admirable. Oh, that's cool. Man. You are fucking amazing, Reza. Where can people Reza, see you? Yeah. What's going on? Your show? How, when is your show running? When are you on tour, online, all the things? So our next tour dates, I think our East Coast, Pennsylvania, New York, Indiana. Yay! So the 2020 dates are being released actually today or tomorrow oh, on great. our website. Obviously, I'm I'm in Branson for a lot of the year, but then I tour quite a bit. So I hope that we can, some of your listeners, and I hope we can connect. And I would love to hear from you guys at a meet and greet sometime soon. Someone will say, hey, I was on Take Me to Coffee. And yes, they'll put their baby on the autograph table and I'll autograph them by mistake. And they'll go, oh, I know why you did that. I'm not shitting you. You might see me show up in your autograph line at some point this spring or summer because I'm 100% going to visit my family and I'm going home and I'm going to spend some quality time with my nephews and we're going to show up at your magic show. And you're going to be like, I'm like, can you sign whatever I've got? And it's not going to be my dick. It's not going to be my dick, first of all. (laughs) Well, I'm going to bring a big fat dildo, just so we're clear. (laughs) Again, this is Branson. It's kind of a family event. It's kind I of don't a care. <laughs> she don't. She don't give a shit. She's gonna get arrested on highway. What is it? Fine. What is it? What does it run through Branson Highway? What seventy six? I'm uh, gonna apologize in advance because uh, no, seriously, I'm coming to Springfield on the third of January for meetings and stuff. So I'm oh, coming down God, to see I you. I was gonna say. I was like, can we just, just go so together? We're clear. I don't close until the fifth. But I'm Sorry. coming up there, and I swear to God, I'm gonna come because I want to shake your hand, and I want to. I can't wait to see the show. When do you have a Springfield show or New Year's Eve? I'm just going to miss you. Oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. I have to be at a wedding on New Year's Eve in Memphis. Uh, listen, Riz, man, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on here, man. And uh, we love your insight. We love your magic. We love your illusions. We love your tricks. <laughs> and we want to say thank you. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. It's been an honor. Thank you, guys. Yeah, walk it out. I have a surprising thing that I was most struck by in this interview today. The most like inspiring and crazy thing that I feel like I heard was how Reza, he's like so creative. He's what they call an original thinker, right? He's like changing boundaries, but he also at such a young age, like had his brain around saving money and capital to like keep investing more in his business, which like I didn't have any awareness about when I was younger, like in my twenties doing stuff. I wish we had taught, I could have asked more questions about that because that is extraordinary. I mean, that story about retrofitting the bus and then saving that money so that he could upgrade to another bus and then to finally end up like all on his own dime, like no investors, no big producer. I don't know. I was just really struck by that. I mean, I think that's so far beyond anything kids these days. And I know there's a few out there that do, you know, know about finances and money and things like that. 
like that. But it's like one of those verboten things to discuss, right? We don't talk about holidays. We don't talk about money. We don't talk mm. about religion. We don't talk about politics, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's become a huge detriment because people just don't totally. understand how to balance a checkbook nowadays. And I'm only speaking for the people that have no fucking clue what they're doing. Anybody else who knows what the fuck they're doing, please disregard. Also, <laughs> send help. Everyone, right. Also, send help. <laughs> Why can't we have like a a program in schools that are for practical math? You know what I'm saying? Like practical mm-hmm. shit. Not calculus, not fucking algebra, not shit like that. But I'm also <laughs> trying to know how to save money. I'm also to know how to invest. And this kid figured it out from such an early age, so much so that he's created and curated his entire your empire right by himself right brick by brick and i think to to your point we talked about this at that dinner i was at last night also uh-huh. that like age old idea that as artists we i don't do the money i'm an artist i make the thing right. i understand had a reason and a place but in this day and age like just very inspiring to see younger artists who also embraced like no i'm i am going to be the ceo of my creative business you know what i mean it's so cool but i think that's what it is too is that he said this in the episode understand this you have creative control when you control the purse strings Mm. you don't want to be beholden Mm -hmm. to somebody else if you're a true creator and you believe in your product so much so that you're like i'm doing me and i want to fucking continue to do me that's right you got nobody telling you what to do because money controls the game right yeah that's right if you control all that you're good to go you can do whatever you want anytime you want good or bad it's your it's your money it's still your thing and you're going to be doing your thing so you can be proud more proud of it at the end of the day 2020 goals for the TM2C 20, 20 fam. Goal. 20, 20 goals. 2020. You guys, so don't forget to go follow Reza Illusionist on Twitter and on IG. It's super fun. He like does lots of cool photos of his like rad stage show and that helicopter he was talking about and the motorcycle. It's crazy. Rides in on a motorcycle. <laughs> what magician do you know? Well, a lot of magicians, but I'm saying like, how cool is totally. that? Right? Like riding in a motorcycle and fucking throw it off to the side and be like, yeah, I bought that because I paid for that <laughs> shit myself. If you want to know more about us or the guests that we have on, uh, head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast to ask your questions for our upcoming guests. You can also let us know about someone smart and cool you follow online that you think that we should talk to. And we'll talk to anybody. We don't give a shit. Nope. We like them all. That sounded creepy. And we, we don't I like went, shit. nope. We, wow. we like them all. That's it for the next to last episode of Take Me to Coffee 2019. 2019. See ya. Don't fall on your face. Just kidding. It's been a great year. But before we go, we need you to just do a few things for us. Numero uno. Check out new episodes every Tuesday on your favorite podcasting. Fun fact. Uh, we, my dance troupe, my competition dance troupe did a dance called Numero Uno. I will find the photo and put it up in the show notes. I don't want a photo. I want I, some it goes video like this. and I hope bum, it's on VHS. Bum, 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 bum. Like that. Well, we got the video right there. That's <laughs> fucking fantastic. Okay. Didn't expect that this morning, but Patreon Coffee Club listeners, please, please, you need to see what she just did. I can't explain it. Full no one friend, can. Like the pants had fringe on them. It was so special. Very 90s. Two, for special bonus content, including being able to see Numero Uno choreography, uh-huh. join our coffee club over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. <laughs> Your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, by you, and completely ad fucking free. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me not to cuss because I will sit and putter. No one tells us what to do. <laughs> Three, download these episodes, leave us a review, and we will continue to climb the chart with you you know what i'm andrew i'm jess and we'll see you next year now next week we'll see you next week
We're just comedy gold. Honestly, if Emily's smiling, I'm happy. That's you know great. we've done mediocre. <laughs> Two walk like two out the door, then you have been.